It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Log Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Spiritual Insights, everyone. We're so honored that you tuned in. Today is the Course in Miracles virtual class with Robert Rosenthal, MD, where we break down specific sections of a Course in Miracles to help you gain a deeper understanding of the concepts presented. Today, we're going to step out of our series that we've been doing in 2017 on the topic of special relationships, and we're going to discuss the natural disasters that have been occurring here in the United States, in Mexico, in the Virgin Islands in Puerto Rico, all around the world. We decided to do this because we want to emphasize how the world is an illusion and this being such a difficult situation for so many of us to deal with, we wanted to try to give you a little peace of mind and help change your perspective to uh, make the right decision to see things clearly. If you're new to the show, Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's board of directors since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years and was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch. He became a close friend and protege of Dr. Bill Thetford. Dr. Bob is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus from the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit, published by Hay House, which represents the biblical story of Moses and Pharaoh as a parable of the mind's struggle to escape ego and identify once again with spirit. If you'd like to learn more, visit FromPlagueToMiracles.com. You can read excerpts of the book or purchase this profound addition to your spiritual library. To learn more about A Course in Miracles, visit ACIM.org. And you can never miss a segment if you follow the show on Twitter at Char Spicer. Interact with other listeners and like-minded people on Facebook in our closed discussion group, the Spiritual Insights Forum. And you can also tune into your favorite segments directly from the Spiritual Insights Radio page on Facebook. Side note. We're now in our 300th episode on the show, so there's a complete archive of segments that you can listen to on my website, spiritualinsightsradio.com. Join me in welcoming Dr. Bob back to the show. I am so excited to talk about these topics. Hey, Dr. Bob. 
Hey, Char. Good to be here um, after the summer, but uh, a difficult topic we're, we're taking on today. And um, part of the reason I thought of it is you went through some of this stuff. Um, you know, Char, you live in Florida, and Florida mm-hmm. got hit by Hurricane Irma. Um, I do not live in Houston. I live in California, and we sat here in the sun and just saw all of these images unfold on the news. But obviously, the worst devastation um, was in the Caribbean. If you're listening to this archive, this might all seem like ancient history, but I promise you that the news cycle will contain something of the same kind, either in the near future or it already has in the near past, because such is the nature of the ego's world. Um, But the hardest hit were obviously Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands and Barbuda, where you know, you look at the pictures and it's it's just devastation um, and on a massive scale. So that was what inspired our topic for today. We picked uh, a couple of different course sections that seem to deal not so much with disaster, but with the notion that we are responsible for what we see and that we create our reality in that sense. Um, so... I don't know, Shar, you want to talk at all about what you went through, or um, or should we just dive in? No, I can, I can add something to this, because I had to apply everything I know to overcome the fear. So what happened was, when we realized how massive that storm was and how strong it was, we debated and basically made the decision to evacuate. A lot of that was because... Going through the storm, as as I've done several times now, it's frightening, but you get through it. And for me, it generally turns out okay. But I'm terrified of the idea of the power going out. So I didn't want to be, not not to sound callous, I didn't want to be inconvenienced like that because I thought it would last a long time and it would really knock me off course with, you know, what I'm doing in my life and with the show and everything. And so we ran around packing everything up as though we weren't coming back, all my important papers, um, the stuff for the show, the computer, all of it, the crystal ball, you know, everything that seemed important to me and started packing it all up. And then I realized when I went to look for a hotel room, we were going to head to like Southwest Georgia and head away from the storm. But there were no rooms anywhere, and that's when I remembered millions of people were told to evacuate. Now, you had people from down south in the Keys and Miami and, and south, southern Florida heading up north to get out of harm's way. But you also have a population here in Florida and in other states where people live in mobile home parks. They live in trailers, and they're not built to withstand a storm like that, so they had to evacuate as well. So millions of people are doing this mass exodus to get out of the state. And then I realized we're going to wind up somewhere at midnight, stranded with no gas, probably sleeping in our cars on the the side of the road or in a a service plaza. And, And another one of our reasons was we wanted to protect our vehicles. So once I realized that, I just sat and and thought to myself, I said, now you can either have faith or you can sit here and cry and live in fear. So I decided to have faith. And I did what I needed to do. I got extra supplies and batteries and whatnot. And the storm came, and it got pretty blustery. But I just successfully, thank God, got into witness mode. 
so that at the height of the storm with the wind and the howling and the rain and the, and the trees bending, I got to observe it without too much fear. I wasn't totally fearless, but without too much, and it wasn't overwhelming me. So I was in control because I had let go of my fear. So it was a great lesson, you know, and it was an, it was an interesting experience. I have so much empathy for those who did um, lose power for an extended length of time. Our power went out at 3 o'clock in the morning, but it was back up by 11 because we live close to two hospitals. And so hospitals on the power grid that they're on are going to have priority. So our power came back soon after, you know, after getting up for the day. And so we were okay. And then there was the business of putting everything back. But for those who didn't get power until last Sunday, you know, over a week ago, they had power for out for over a week. And so people did suffer. They were inconvenienced. They went through something that they think is not of their choosing. And that's why, you know, when you suggested we talk about this, I think it's perfect. And let's just dive in and, and do our best to help people see this in a different way. And we can all do something to help. I'm going to declutter and start donating a bunch of stuff to the Salvation Army. Even if it doesn't seem important to me or doesn't seem useful, it might be useful to somebody else, and I can contribute in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I want to just key on what you said about fear because clearly that's where events such as hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, fires, um, you know, you name it, that's where they tend to take us. Um, I sat here safe through all of these particular disasters, but I did, when I lived in New Jersey, go through Hurricane Sandy, and um, which, you know, actually wasn't even a hurricane when it hit, but the devastation afterwards, driving around, I'd never seen anything like it. It looked like a war zone, and we mm-hmm. were without power for eight and a half days and lived in a house that was on a well and septic. So when our power went out, we lost water, we lost, you know, the ability to do sewage. And what it made me aware of is how dependent we are on sort of the, uh, the, 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 the perks and good things about civilization, yet also how um, we weren't isolated. We lost power for all that time, but I had relatives who lived, you know, within uh, 10 miles where they didn't lose anything. So we could go over there, take a hot shower, get dinner, and then go back to camping out in our house. Um, Mm -hmm. Eventually got a generator and all of that. But I think that, um, you know, fear is a a very toxic emotion. In fact, in the system of psychotherapy that I studied, um, terror, which is the extreme form of fear, is considered the most toxic of all the emotions it paralyzes us you know we lose control of our bowels and 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 just about in any instance terror is about death terror is about the fear that you are imminently about to disappear to die or that someone you know and love is about to disappear and die and and you know this comes up everywhere and all the time Anyone with children, um, especially as they get older and you don't know where they are, they're, you know, they're out and about or they're at school or they're living on their own, um, there's always that fear of what might happen, um, you know, what, uh, what, what's going on that I don't know about. 
and 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 so I think this becomes central. And yet, this isn't what we were going to focus on today, because there's so many um, let's call them spiritual systems, New Age systems. Um, like the Course, like the Seth teachings, like the Abraham Hicks channeling, um, people you know like Wayne Dyer, who talk about the fact that we make the world we see, that we are directly responsible for it. So what I thought we would do today uh, is read a couple sections from A Course in Miracles that uh, basically key on this idea, and then just kind of talk about why for some people it feels very helpful and sometimes it isn't and what the ego tends to do with it because you know if if you're a course student um you would you know by now that the, the 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 main thing is the course is a course in undoing it's about removing the blocks to love's presence because love is love is our natural inheritance love is what lives within us love is what we are so the trick is to become aware to all the false stuff, all the BS, all the fear and guilt and shame and greed and et cetera, and begin to go, oh, yeah, I see that. That's not me. That doesn't come from me. That is an obstacle to peace and an obstacle to love. And therefore, I, I'm going to turn it over. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to, you know, do the best I can to um, to remember who I really am. And I think when we read these passages, that's what I would encourage you, you know, to remember and think about. Uh, we want we want to get real good at, um, you know, seeing the ego in its game, so that we have a reflex choice about, you know, what we want to do and where we want to go. And we'll talk about that more. So. Um, I was thinking, Shar, we could, uh, on page 448, chapter 21, section 2, the responsibility for sight. This is one of probably the better-known um, sections and better, most quoted sections of A Course in Miracles, but it does need to be understood in context and in the context of the Course. So I figure let's read, um, you know, uh, paragraphs 2 and 3, since those are the real... Um, the mm -hmm. real kickers here. Um, you want to start or should I? I'll, I'll start if you like. Yeah, go for it. Okay, this is paragraph two. Yeah. Ooh, good stuff. This is the only thing that you need to do, need do for vision, happiness, release from pain, and the complete escape from sin, all to be given you. Say only this, but mean it with no reservations, for here the power of salvation lies. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience, and I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. Deceive yourself no longer that you are helpless in the face of what is done to you. Acknowledge but that you have been mistaken, and all effects of your mistakes will disappear. Mm-mm-mm. And, and I think I'm going to read paragraph three, and we can talk about them both together because they're sort of uh, saying similar things. Sounds good. It is, it is impossible the Son of God be merely driven by events outside of him. It is impossible that happenings that come to him were not his choice. His power of decision is the determiner of every situation in which he seems to find himself by chance or accident. 
No accident nor chance is possible within the universe as God created it, outside of which is nothing. Suffer, and you decided sin was your goal. Be happy, and you gave the power of decision to him who must decide for God for you, which would be the Holy Spirit um, in the Course's teaching. This is the little gift you offer to the Holy Spirit, and even this he gives to you to give yourself. For by this gift is given you the power to release your Savior, that he may give salvation unto you. So there's a lot in here, and um, boy, where to start? Um, I'm going to go well, to the line that I just read, and um, and then kick it back to you, okay? So okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to go to line four, which is no accident nor chance is possible within the universe as God created it, outside of which is nothing. I think that is an important line to understand, because it's saying the universe as God created it which is not the physical world. So it's kind of saying that in God's reality, which is only oneness and love, and, a, and which is your true home, you know, we could say that's heaven, um, nothing bad can possibly happen. Nothing really delightful and out of the ordinary can happen either, because the ordinary is pure joy. The ordinary is a sense of deep and abiding peace. The ordinary is um, a sense of light and love. So within that world, there just isn't room for um, this sort of negative thing to come up because, as it says, suffer and you decided sin was your goal. And there's, it is our, 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 our deep sense of guilt, what the church would probably call original sin, but not in the way that the church means it. it it's our sense that we are separated beings that we are no longer connected to our source, which is God, that then brings on, quote, sin, which is merely the insanity that you could think that, which brings on guilt. Oh, my God, I left God. I'll bet he's really pissed at me. He's probably going to zap me in some way, shape, form, which brings on shame. Wow, I am inadequate. I am inferior. I, I don't deserve anything good. Um, and ultimately, which brings on fear. As a separated being, how can we not be terrified that, uh, of death? Because if we think we're a body, and if we think everyone else is a body, then guess what? We are all prey to death. Death is going to happen. We're all going to die. Um, and, and this is absolutely true. Under those circumstances, the best you can do is try to you know plan things out, be rational, reasonable, and yet, and then I think this is where um, you know the power of a storm like a hurricane comes in. Even with all of our technology, you know, we can track the storm, we can figure out its course, we know where it's going two, three days ahead of time, so there is time to evacuate. Um, we have first responders. Even with all of that it still provokes incredible fear and there is devastation in its aftermath. So the sense that we are separate from God and that, you know, our only way to get to God is supplication, you know, please God, I'm just a miserable little worm and I, I, I need and deserve your help. Please, please, please take care of me. Don't make bad things happen. Um, that That's really coming from a place of weakness. Um, you know, that's saying, I don't have any control over anything, 
and um, and I'm terrified that you know the the least little uh, you know uh, calamity, whether collective or personal, is gonna gonna kill me. You know, every time we get in a car, we could die. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in my in in my book, From Plagues to Miracles, I tell a, a story about leaving work uh, one January evening, and it's. Uh, you know, almost dark outside and I get in my car and I've been doing a lot of meditating on the nature of death. And I thought, and I thought, you know, I'll be home in 10 minutes. It'll be nice. And then I thought, oh, or I could be dead in 10 minutes. And then I forgot all about it and, you know, made a, pulled out abruptly trying to get into some very heavy traffic and boom, a car hit me from, you know, uh, blindsided. I didn't even see it. Um, Went right into the driver's side door and you know what? I walked away from my wrecked and totaled car. I sat by the side of the road. I was kind of shaken up, but I thought, I, I, I manifested that. Um, uh-huh. And I manifested it, I think, as, as kind of a lesson of, yeah, I could be dead, except that I wasn't, and I'm not. And therefore, as long as we are here, as long as we are drawing breath, as long as we um, have the capability for love and for inner peace, there is another way, and that is what A Course in Miracles is all about. It's about showing us that other way. There is another way than trembling in fear and trying to plan for every negative contingency. I mean, when I used to tell people that I was moving to California, they go, oh, aren't you afraid of earthquakes? Sure I am. Um, and then I'd say, well, but, you know, unlike a tornado or something, you can plan for it. You keep water in your car. You do this. You do that. Well, there's some truth to that, but, you know, if the quake is big enough and you find yourself in the wrong spot, no, you can't prepare for that. So the nature of the ego, and and, and I think this is really important to understand, and I think if there's one take-home from this show, this would be it from my perspective. The nature of the ego is to, um, you know, the ego is like the best Hollywood movie studio that does horror movies. The ego is a nightmare factory. The ego is a fear machine. The ego is constantly generating scenarios in which you and or someone you love is going to perish, often in horrible ways. Um, and, and what you can do about that is actually pretty slim. I once worked with a guy um, in my psychotherapy practice out here in California who was really, really good at planning. I mean, his job was to do major planning, um, and I won't go into any more details uh, because I don't want to out him in any personal way. But but he was someone, you know, if, if he was a chess master, he's a guy who's thinking 30 moves ahead while the rest of us are thinking about five moves ahead. Mm. And he used to take delight in going to a restaurant with his wife and sitting there and thinking, well, if the big one happened right now, what would I do? Oh, I could do this and I could do this and we'd get out by this door and then we'd do this. And he'd feel very, very good about all those things he could do. Well, um, that's one way to handle it, except that in the actual circumstance, you have no idea what's going to happen. We don't know anything, which is another point the Course can tell us. So ultimately, no matter how good your planning is, no matter how strong you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter how rich you are, I'm sure there were people in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands with a great deal of money whose homes got wiped out. No matter any of those ego attributes, when death comes a-knocking, you're going to succumb 
if if you believe that you are nothing but a body and a limited ego mind within that body. And so the Course is saying, in the world that God created, the universe as God created it, no accident nor chance is possible because when we're living in that universe, we're basically saying, Holy Spirit, Christ, take this one for me. You know, I, I don't know what's going on here. Here comes this storm. I don't know what's going on. And, and, and Char, I believe you were inspired. At first, you, you heard the drumbeats of fear. It's like, okay, let's get out of here. Okay, nothing's working. We're not finding a hotel. Well, rather than stampeding into a panic, we'll get in our car and we'll drive for 15 hours until we can find a hotel room. You kind of went inward and got the sense of, no, I think this is going to be okay. Uh-huh. That was the kind of shift in perception that Bill Thetford, co-scribe of the course, talked about as being the essence of the miracle. And miracles are all about the shift from fear into peace, from fear into love. And every time one of us does that with our mind, we make it more possible and more likely for everyone else to do that. Everyone we know, but also people we don't know, because as the Course says, miracles may touch you know many people in circumstances and places that you've never even heard of. Minds are joined at the level of the physical reality here. Um, it, the Christ mind isn't even joined. It's just one. Um, so, yeah, you know, as we all get peaceful, um, it, you know, peace becomes an epidemic. Um, but the only epidemic that can cure the epidemic uh, of fear, the drumbeats of, of terror. So, um, okay, that's, you know, sort of my sermon for the day. But but I think there's so much in here. And, and we can get caught up in, Oh, yeah. Why did this happen? The human mind needs to tell stories. We need to understand the why of things. And so we go to, well, you know, if if you're an evangelical Christian, it's because of, you know, all the homosexuals somewhere or because of Barack Obama. Now, um, if you're an environmentalist, it's, um, well, you know, because it's Trump and the EPA and they're screwing up the environment and this is Mother Nature, um, you know, giving us the blowback and, and saying, hey, you better pay attention. The Course says, you have no idea why anything happens. Ultimately, our minds are far too limited to know the big picture. And it's very simple. The big picture is either egos running the show, in which case one form or another of calamity and disaster and death will befall you and everyone new eventually, or Holy Spirit's running the show because we have decided to allow him to run the show. And now bad, seemingly bad things may happen, but for all we know, they may be far less bad than they could have been. Um, you know, these storms, they've, they've wreaked devastation. For all we know, they, they could have been even worse. Um, we are not in a position to know, but we are in a position to decide whether we want to come from uh, a place of surrender to reality, capital R, Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Christ mind, or whether we want to, you know, Hey God, um, it's okay. I don't really believe in you anyway. I'm going to take this one on my own. Mm. And I think that's what comes up. You know, that that's what gets accentuated in, in dramatic form when we're faced with um, life and death situations. And, and anyone who has done conscious dying 
you know, I'm faced with cancer or heart disease or, you know, some condition that is, you know, truly terminal and gets to that place of, okay, this seems to be my lot, they can get quite peaceful and quite transcendent. Mm -hmm. And I think what begins to happen in that circumstance is they're already disidentifying with their body and their ego mind. Something of the reality of spirit is already coming through, whether they know it or not, um, and giving them that equanimity, that sense of, you know, from where I sit, um, none of this really matters. Uh, I call it last timer's mind. It's kind of the uh, uh, parallel and contrast to the Zen beginner's mind, where you see everything without any assumptions or interpretations as if you just entered the world. Last timer's mm. mind is you're leaving this whole thing and you know it well and you've run that race and you've seen all of these games. And you know what? Um, as the course says, you know, I could see peace instead of this. Um, and I choose peace, but we don't have to wait to be terminal to do that because our bodies are already terminal. We can do that in any moment. And the course says, this is what we are supposed to do. And, and back to the line, you know, this is the little gift you offer to the Holy Spirit, for by this gift is given you the power to release your Savior. And that is both the Christ mind, but also your brother out in the world, you know, to release your Savior that he may give salvation unto you. Okay. Um, so you probably at this point, Shar, have a lot of thoughts based on what I just said uh take it away <laughs> i have a few i have a few yeah i, I kind of um, figured yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i wanted to to pull it into focus in terms of what's happening you know wh why is this stuff happening like you said you know you tend to question but why and so when things like this happen it's easy to personalize it and say you know well why did this happen to me or why did god let this happen to me and I think it's important if we pull back our our narrowed vision and get a broader scope of it, there's a lot happening at once. You know, three hurricanes and an earthquake, um, forest fires out in California, you know, all these different things. So, so what does it mean? And so we want to ask, like I always um, repeat, what is this for? Not so much why is it happening, but what is it for? Let's also extend that question by saying, what can come out of it? What good can possibly come out of it? Everything's destroyed. People's lives are destroyed. Yes, buildings were destroyed. Vehicles were destroyed. Bodies were broken and bodies died. But I don't, like it says, there's nothing random here. Nothing is an accident. So where does it come from? And why, why does it choose some people and not others? And I believe deeply you know, we can think for ourselves, but because we're all connected, everything we think, say, and do has impact on the collective. And so there's something, some undercurrent, I would think, of rage and fury that is transmitting through the collective, through each one of us, although individually, but connected. And the world responds to that. It reflects those things, whatever is angering us or upsetting us, meaning what is causing internal upheaval within ourselves. And so there's upheaval outside of us to reflect it. And so whatever that means for you, be it political or your feelings about the way the planet is being treated, um, 
think of this in terms of it happened. Now, how do I impact it? If I had a contribution to what happened, how can I be a, a contributor to the solution? And so you can do those things, the normal things. You can pray. You can donate money. You can travel there, help somebody rebuild their house, offer comfort. Whatever is within your means, whatever your particular skill or um, resource is, you can, you can offer that and be of service. The important thing to note is that a lot of people are going to need help for quite a long time. And we needed another wake-up call. We, this is like another 9-11. And we needed another mm-hmm. wake-up call. We go back to sleep. And so we really need to keep that train going at a consistent pace of empathy and love for one another and for all of our brothers and sisters, no matter what they look like or where they live. And we need to keep that in mind on a daily basis. And we need to correct those perceptions that need correcting. It doesn't matter who it was in Houston that needed help. Everybody came together. And it's an interesting contrast to what's happening in the news now. And if you're listening to this five years from now, what's happening right now is this huge controversy over football players taking a knee during the national anthem to protest violence against black men on the hand, at the hands of police officers. That's what it was really about. Now it's morphed into something else. And so everybody's up in arms, and then a tweet comes, and, and you know, it's all this chaos, all this chaos. But I get through by, like I said, as, as the storm approached, as Hurricane Irma approached. I chose to see it differently. I, I, I choose to react to it differently. I, I choose to contribute to it differently. And it's like what I just read. I am responsible for what I see, meaning whatever – Whatever you witness in the world or on TV, whatever you witness is for you. It means something for you on some level. It may mean something different to someone else. But if you witness it, it was for you to witness, and it's a reflection of something inside you. I choose the feelings I experience. I choose – I can't control anything. I couldn't control the storm or the earthquakes or who died and, and, or who was spared. I can only control my reaction to it. And so I can either shine light on it and trust that it's for a reason, that there is purpose, and that perhaps it's to bring us all together. That reminder, that wake-up call, once again, come together and, and stay together, policy, or affect your community. And be loving and, and love thy neighbor as thyself, that kind of stuff. And then and everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. There's nothing that happens to us in this life that we can't handle because we are the authors of our own life. We, we wrote the script. We hired the players, the performers, the people who, whether they come in and out or come in and stay, we wrote, we wrote the script. And so if it's happening to you, then it must be happening for you for some reason, even if that reason is imperceptible right now, if you're suffering and, and, and maybe someone who lost their home in Houston might hear this someday, you know. But when you look at it, I know you have to grieve because, you know, the, the ego fears loss and it fears mm-hmm. death. And if you did lose your house or any measurement of damage, yeah, you have to switch your perspective from the darkness of I've been devastated, I've been affected, I've I've lost all that I've worked so hard for 
to the light of I know this is happening for a reason and I choose to see it differently and I choose to experience peace as I go about the business of repairing or rebuilding whatever needs to be fixed. And so as we move forward, again, in terms of, you know, what is what is happening, I think – I don't think Mother Earth is angry with us. I don't think we're being punished, but I think she has something to say. And I think if we get together and be like-minded in our approach to what needs to happen going forward in our own personal lives and in our communities and for humanity – that, that we do this and we keep it in mind and we keep shedding that light. We keep shining it and, and sharing it with others. That's the most important thing is to share that light and connect and see everybody else as ourselves. And then we can get through things like this. I don't think this is the last of it. Mm. But, we can, but we can get through it together and without taking offense that it happened in the first place. And so I, I think that's all I wanted to say. I really just wanted to emphasize that it's a reflection of something, and, and it's up to us to determine what that is for us and correct that perception. Ask the Holy Spirit. Follow the course. Do what you need to do to take yourself out of that unconscious state that we seem to have slipped back into that would create a need for something like this to happen. That's, that's pretty much all I have to say. What do you think, Dr. Bob? Um yeah i i think there's there's lots of good stuff in there um you know when you were talking about people who've lost their home uh before i met my wife she had lost her home twice uh once she lived she lived up in uh, sonoma county here in california on the russian river which notoriously floods when we have bad winters so she lost her home once in a flood um, and concert, you know, was certainly empathizing with the people in Houston, and said, "What, what, you know, what, what, what everyone watching on TV doesn't realize is it isn't just, oh my God, you know, there's water and, and you know, and, and 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 all of that. Everything you own is covered in mud, in slime. Mold is growing on everything afterwards. It's, you know, it isn't just a, a one day or a three day event. It goes on forever." But, oh, and then she lost her home when a water heater blew up and the whole home just, you know, got, went to smithereens, fortunately, with no one in it. Um, I think it was Christmas Eve and they were out, you know, celebrating with family. Um, They found the water heater, you know, like acres away, went off like a rocket. When we lose our home, um, what are we really losing? You know, can we, what is a home? I mean, isn't a home that place where we build it in such a way that we try to be safe, that we put up walls against all the bad things that can happen, whether that's rain or whether that's, you know, hordes of marauding tribes with guns that are going to break in and take everything we have. Um, Isn't the home that place where you get, you know, at the end of the day and you can kick off your shoes and relax um, and be at peace. Well, here we are trying to set up this artificial facsimile on the outside of what actually lives within us. You know, when I used to think about these things fairly deeply, um, you know, back in the day uh, when I was a very new course student uh, and even before that, 
I used to think, well, you know, I guess the best would be to have, you know, a couple of different homes around the planet. And if one got destroyed, you could go to another. But then I realized, you know, there was a flaw in that thinking, too, because every one of them in some way was vulnerable and you'd have to be able to get to them, which means, you know, you need your jet plane and you need this and that. And I realized the only way that we can ever really feel at home on a consistent basis is if we know that home is within us, not outside of us. Because if home is within us, then wherever we go, we trust that we are bringing with us that sense of peace. And therefore, when a home gets lost, uh, an outside home, I, I love what you were saying, Shar, because ultimately I think it's a demonstration that, no, that's not really your home. And what a lot of people discover is, you know, I lost a ton of stuff and I didn't need that ton of stuff. I mean, the same thing happens in a much more uh, seemingly controlled way when you do a major move. A year, a little over a year ago, you know, I moved cross country. We'd been in our house for 13 years. We'd raised our kids there. There were, you know, boxes of toys in the basement that, you know, the kids could care less about, but that had sentimental value to their parents. Um, and, and in the move, you kind of look at things and you go, why am I holding this? What is this about? Um, you know, what is this really doing for me? And if I let it go, what does it matter? I mean, I am still hunting a year and three months later for a box of books that was on one of my shelves that were like, you know, these are some of my more favorite spiritual books and I can't find them and I wonder where they are. I, I'm sure they're buried in a pile of boxes in our garage, but have I missed them? In other words, what we really get to is that the sense of loss is always about the ego and the body. You can't lose if what if home is within, you can never lose home. You can lose your awareness of it. You can forget temporarily and go into fear, but you can't ever lose your identity, your reality. And this is where A Course in Miracles really stands out as such a powerful system because what it's saying is you didn't create yourself. God created you. You can never change that. You know, we can put on a lot of window dressing and we can, um, you know, take on different roles and do different things in life. And we can put on these bodies and we can die and come back and take on different bodies. But, but you can't change the fundamental nature of, of what you are. And what the Course says is, you know, love which created me is what I am. Love which created me is what I am. That is not changeable. You can avoid it, you can ignore it, but it's still there. So at whatever point we wake up, whether it's due to a disaster or whether it's due to just a consistent desire to know the truth and nothing but the truth, when we wake up, that's the reality we wake up to. And in that reality, there isn't any loss. You know, there, there, there can't be. I mean, as I said, by definition. Um, exactly. The other thing I wanted to key on, um, well, actually, let me come back. It was, was your idea of joining well, and how, how in a disaster, you know, the disaster is terrible, but how afterwards everyone's helping everybody else. There, there's no prejudice. No one's upset about NFL players taking a knee um, with the national anthem. Nobody's even – even people of color. I remember um, seeing something on the news where – you know, uh, and I think it was in Florida where an elderly white woman in a shop was, 
just, you know, like undyingly grateful to a Hispanic man because he had gotten the last generator in the Walmart, but she had a relative who needed that generator for medical reasons. And he overheard her talking to the clerk and he said, you know, ma'am, please take my generator. That is how disasters bring out the best in us because we mm. realize that we're not individuals. We really are a collective. And when we function as a collective, we do better. I mean, what countries in the world have the happiest, highest in, uh, ha- have the highest happiness index? It's the Scandinavian countries, Denmark, Finland, Sweden. Why are they happy? Because there isn't the same kind of inequality. Now, I don't mean to make this a political diatribe. I'm talking about joining and the recognition that we're all in it together. So in a socialist country, there's still gaps, and some people are making more than others, and I'm sure some people are you know, more famous than others, and certainly some people are more attractive than others. Socialism doesn't change that. But there's overall a sense of we're in it together, we're being taken care of by a government that isn't our enemy, that actually is our protector because we created it that way. You know, so we get back to, you know, how do we create it? But in the wake of disasters, there's amazing joining. And and those stories are wonderful to see. Um, So, you know, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, I'll turn it back to you. But I would like to read before we're done um, the first two paragraphs in Lesson 152, because I think they really key on 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 this idea of of like who are we really and, and how does that play out? I mean, they might be a nice summary for the end of the show. Mm-hmm. No, that's where I'm at right now because it's a perfect segue to everything you just said, especially uh, pertaining to law. Are minds joined or are minds joined, right? <laughs> it, it's, it's so trippy sometimes the way that works it with is. us. But I just want to interject. I want to interject something, a little bit of irony in terms of loss, and then something funny that gave me inspiration that I saw on the news. And I did not hear about that story about the generator, Dr. Bob. So that really it was beautiful. It was beautiful. That almost brought tears to my eyes. But the irony is that some of the Houstonians who lost their homes in that storm and with that flood are actually from New Orleans and had evacuated from Hurricane <sighs> Katrina oh, and man. rebuilt. They they picked themselves up. They went somewhere else. They rebuilt their lives. They got stronger. Time went by. Years go by. Boom! Another storm lost everything all over again. That is resilience. That is amazing. So it is I just resilience, to point and it all, if I may, it's also you know kind of like if you build your house in a flood zone, um, it's probably going to get flooded at some point. But I'm saying that not just practically, but as a metaphor. If you're relying on ego, you're building your house in a flood zone. It's going to get flooded. The ego is a nightmare factor. You're going to get scared. You build your house on the solid ground. And I think actually this might have even been one of Jesus's parables, but I'm Jewish. So what do I know? Um, (laughs) You know, you build your house on solid ground um, that's not in a flood zone, i.e. you rely on heaven, on God as your foundation. You're not going to get flooded that way. Yeah, it could rain pretty hard, but uh, you're not going to you're not going to lose. You can't lose what you can't lose. It <laughs> Sorry, I had to interject that. You, yeah, it doesn't impact you to, to the depth that it normally would without that corrected perception. You know, um, one of those people could could easily say, like many in New Orleans have said, and I've done it before. I'll do it again. I'll just rebuild the house. I'm not leaving. 
And so they take it in stride. But the, the funny thing that happened that inspired me was there was a woman and she was talking to a reporter and they're out in the field and they're looking at the mayhem and the destruction and people crying and being lifted off of roofs onto a chopper and out of water and in boats, all that that was happening. And it was riveting. And I just, you know, stayed calm and prayed through the whole, whole of it. But this one woman, her husband had gone back to the house and was able to retrieve their dog and her wedding ring. Nothing else mattered. She wanted the wedding ring. And she got it back, and she was happy about it. And they said, well, what are you going, what are you going to do? She says, I don't know. She says, I wasn't, we weren't supposed to get flooded. It was when that dam had to be breached oh, to the save dam. the dam, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they flooded that neighborhood. She says, we didn't expect this. I did nothing to prepare for this because we didn't think we were in the way. And now her whole first floor is flooded. Everything in every drawer, every cabinet, uh, everything on the first floor is, is ruined, is destroyed. And she started to choke up. She, they said, so when you go back, she says, well, I'll try to salvage whatever can be salvaged. But then she realized, and she choked up and got tears in her eyes and said, well, we'll see what we can do. But everything literally on the first floor is destroyed. And then she paused a second, looked at the reporter and said, but that's okay. I was planning to declutter anyway. Oh. Well, the anchor back at the studio, you could hear him cracking up. They were laughing so hard. I was laughing. And I bring this up to demonstrate how she made a choice in that moment to see it differently. Yeah. And where, where she could have allowed o emotion to overwhelm her and broke down crying and, and, and did the whole, I've lost everything. I don't know what to do. I'm devastated. She said, no, I was going to declutter anyway. And she just flipped it right over. And it can happen that quickly for anybody, no matter what you're going through, not just a natural disaster. It can be a divorce. It can be a breakup. It can be, you know, transitioning through a job. In that one holy instant, you can change your perception and approach it differently and, and achieve a different result, a different outcome, one that is truer to you than the outcome that would arrive based on the decisions of the ego and the fears that you're responding to. But let's take this, if you, if you don't have anything else to add to one, that. One very quick uh, thought on that. Um, okay, and we'll go to of, lesson 150. One of my favorite lessons from the course's workbook and many other people's is um, lesson 34, I think it is, I could see peace instead of this. That's mm -hmm. what that woman did. She flipped it around and she found a way to look at what had happened where she was seeing peace instead of calamity. The thing is, we don't have to wait for a disaster to apply that. You know, that can be you're stuck in traffic. That can be that the the roast didn't come out the way you wanted, and you've got a house full, you know, a, a bunch of party guests coming later. That could be your kid didn't get the grade on the science test that you were really wanting him or her to get. You know, in almost in any situation where you're not at peace, there's your choice. I could see peace instead of this. So with that, um, yeah, why but it's don't important we, uh, to note. It's important to yeah. note in terms of control. No, you can't control the outcomes of things. You can't control everything. But, and I don't, I don't say this often enough on the show, when you're at peace, you are in control. Letting go is control. If you're running around struggling and striving to, to control something or, or grapple with an understanding of it, you're out of control. So I could see peace instead of this. That puts you in instant control of the situation, just to, yes. just to emphasize that. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so shall we read? Uh, this is Lesson 152, which is titled, The Power of Decision is My Own. You mm. can see 
there's a theme here. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, why don't I read the first part, the first paragraph, you read the second, and um, I think that'll give us uh, a, a few other things to talk about in terms of a wrap-up. Okay. No one can suffer loss unless it be his own decision. No one suffers pain except his choice elects this state for him. No one can grieve nor fear nor think himself sick unless these are the outcomes that he wants. And no one dies without his own consent. Nothing occurs but represents your wish and nothing is omitted that you choose. Here is your world, complete in all details. Here is its whole reality for you. And it is only here salvation is. Mm. Paragraph two. You may believe that this position is extreme and too inclusive to be true. Yet can truth have exceptions? If you have the gift of everything, can loss be real? Can pain be a part of peace or grief of joy? Can fear and sickness enter in a mind where love and perfect holiness abide? Truth must be all-inclusive, if it be the truth at all. Accept no opposites and no exceptions, for to do so is to contradict the truth entirely. That says it all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, so I, I think this is a great summary of, of everything we're talking about. Here is your world, complete in all its details. Here is its whole reality for you, you know. We, we're choosing suffering, we're choosing grief and fear and sickness because we're choosing to see ourselves as something that we are not. We're choosing to believe that we are a private ego mind, you know, stuck inside the head of our body and, you know, maneuvering the controls so that we're going about our life. But then the last line of the first paragraph, uh, second to last, here is here. Here is its whole reality for you, your world, and it is only here salvation is. So how paradoxical is that? Like, okay, this is our world. This is the disaster we make of it. But, whoa, here's also where salvation is, and that's because we have choice. As, this, as the lesson says, the power of decision is my own. That power of decision is the choice between nightmare and salvation. And when we make that choice, the world transforms. Things show up in ways we never could have imagined. These are the miracles. And, and maybe the miracle is that everything goes all to hell in a handbasket and you still find yourself at peace or you are still able to help someone else who doesn't have that sense of peace and begin to be, um, you know, uh, an emissary of peace, to begin to be among the ministers of God, as lesson two from here says. Um, so, you know, yeah, the world of death and destruction is also the world of salvation. You know, that, that's our opportunity. That's, that's our challenge. That's our reality. And, I mean, how great is that? How cool is that? You know, the next time you're suffering, and it will probably be sometime later today, just think, I, you know, I have a decision here, and this is a great opportunity. Just as the next time someone pisses you off, rather than holding a grievance, you have an opportunity for forgiveness. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, and then in the second paragraph, if you have the gift of everything, can loss be real? Well, if God is everything and God is everywhere and all God is is love, well, then you can't lose anything. You know, your love, 
love is everywhere, peace is everywhere, happiness could be everywhere, um, and you can't lose it. You know, you can only have mm-hmm. loss if you think you're something that isn't real. So, I mean, I love it. And, and there, are no, there are no exceptions. There's no half measures here. Can pain right. be part of peace or grief of joy? No, it's one way or the other. And I think this is one of the more difficult places. Well, you know, I, I, sure, I understand that when things are going well, but, you know, not in, 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 in Hurricane Harvey, not in Hurricane Irma, not in Hurricane Maria, not in the, the earthquake. But, you know, peace is always our choice. And, and even in terms of witnessing a disaster from a distance, we can go, God, glad that wasn't me, or, boy, they must have deserved it, or we can – give an outpouring of, 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 of pity and, oh, my God, these poor beings. But neither of those even is a choice for peace. The choice for peace would be, I want to see peace in this. I want to hear the stories that are stories of, of, of the goodness of humankind. And when I think about Puerto Rico right now, I want to just hold everyone on that island in, a, in, a, in light and in love, knowing that within each of them there is this capacity to make decisions and choices that will lead them um, leaps ahead on their spiritual path as a result of this. Now, that might sound callous or cruel, um, but I I really do believe that's true. And obviously it won't happen for everyone, and obviously there is still an obligation to help our brothers. You know, we should have the army in there, uh, you know, distributing supplies and rescuing people. Um, But, but... Even there, I can see peace instead of this. There are lessons that can be derived and learned, lessons in peace and lessons in love. Mm. Um, any other thoughts on your end, Shar? I I have nothing to add to what you said. It just flowed so beautifully, and it just incorporated everything that – the wrap-up, you know, it just pulls everything together. Um, just to say that for anyone out there who is affected by these – terrible occurrences we hope you find peace we hope you make forward progress uh quickly and with as little emotional discomfort as possible uh i know we need to grieve um people died that's that's a fact people left their bodies i i believe strongly for my own peace of mind you know when it's your time it's your time and so i choose to see those those people whether it's in Mexico or Puerto Rico or here in the United States, anywhere, that those people graduated and and got to go home. They were released from their bodies. They weren't – I don't want to look at it in such a horrific way that, oh, God, people were killed. They were released from their bodies, for me, in my mind, is a much kinder way of saying it was their time. We all choose our birth. We all choose our death. And so – I don't need to become become overwhelmed with sympathy, but I can certainly emphasize empathize with the people who are related to them or who knew them, who are experiencing the loss of their presence. So, just to um, just to say that God bless everybody, yeah. and and let's all we're all in this together. We are the collective, <laughs> and so there's something we can do. Anybody, it doesn't matter what, as long as we contribute, and. Once we make the the contribution we're meant to make on this planet, it'll be our time to go. And so we'll be released, you know? Amen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mm-hmm. mean, as if if you're here, 
you know, you're an agent of salvation or you're an agent of, uh, of, of, of the ego. Um, and it doesn't matter which, because in any given moment, you have the power of decision to change your mind, quite literally, as you always say at the intro to your show, Char, um, yeah. to change the world, change your mind. Um, so that power is always there. And um, let's, let's, let's remember that. Let's hold that. Let's implement mm-hmm. that. Let's trust that. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I wish everyone listening, you know, peace and joy. And when you're not in peace and joy, there's some opportunity in there. It's not a lesson that you were bad and you're being punished. God doesn't work that way. Um, it's, it's an opportunity. I could see peace instead of this. Change your mind about what you see and how you react to it, and then what you see changes. It yep. works. It works. All well, right. I did choose a prayer for today. Wonderful. Um, this is from Choose Once Again, Selections from A Course in Miracles, published by the Foundation for Inner Peace. And before I get to it, I just want to say thank you once again, Dr. Bob, for an, a magnificent talk and, and a terrific segment. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, we, we, these get better and better. <laughs> they do. They do. All right, dear. And I will talk to you soon. And I'm going to, do, um, I'm going to say the prayer, and then we're going to sign off. So visit from com. learn more about Dr. Bob, his book, From Plagues to Miracles, and more about what he does, and spiritualinsightsradio.com if you'd like to tune into other archive segments of our discussions together about the course. Okay, I will speak to you soon, Dr. Bob. Very good. Peace. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> okay. This is on page seven. Again, it's from Choose Once Again, available at the website, uh, acim.org. The miracle comes quietly into the mind that stops an instant and is still. It reaches gently from that quiet time and from the mind is healed in quiet then to other minds to share its quietness. And they will join in doing nothing to prevent its radiant extension back into the mind which caused all minds to be. Born out of sharing, there can be no pause in time to cause the miracle delay in hastening to all unquiet minds and bringing them an instant stillness when the memory of God returns to them. Their own remembering is quiet now, and what has come to take its place will not be wholly unremembered afterward. Amen. Until next time, everyone, God bless and be at peace. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh. All right.